Amen? Amen. We must not forget. Amen. I, uh, I want you to turn, open up your Bibles if you have your Bible with you. If you don't have your Bible with you, you should bring your Bible with you. I know in our technical world today, we look to our phones and iPads and all of that. I understand that. But, hey, I, I, you know what? I, it's different when we just open up a Bible. I mean, what are we going to do one day when all of the electronic stuff shuts down and we can't have access to those things? We need to have a book. And in this day and age, you know, it's so hard because, you know, what's a book? How do, we, how do you flip pages? <laughs> I know, and, and it's so easy. So many you know, books that, oh man, I don't have time to read this, so I put it on Audible and just listen to it. But we should be opening up our Bibles and reading in our scriptures, because otherwise the distractions will come and all the pop-ups and all of the different things that want to take from our time with God. It will interrupt us, and we need to have some time just with God. If you're not getting time with God, you're not getting filled up with God, and therefore most of the decisions and choices that we're making in this world are made out of weakness, not out of strength. He is our strength. And we need to be making choices and decisions that are coming from a place of that strength in us. Not out of the weakness, but the strength that God wants to bring. So again, please, in that place of getting into the Word of God, get into the Word of God. Well, how much time do I need to spend? I don't know how much time. Get into the Word of God till the Word of God gets into you. So we're going to look at, and you can also find, I put some notes in the app. If you want to go to the app, you can go there, and uh, there's some notes in there that you can follow along with. Amen. (laughs) And uh, again, I appreciate you doing that. But let's take a look at this. We're going to break down these scriptures and look at this from, uh, again, the last perspective that we're going to look at it. Please, this is not an exhaustive study. Find all of those places of depth and all those places where you can dive into it. There's way more than what I could touch on. I've spent three weeks on this, and I'm telling you right now, just scratching the surface of the depth of God's Word and what God's provided for us here. Amen. So much that, you know, we're just going to, you know, maybe we'll come back through it after we get done with Luke. We can start again and just go. <laughs> but let's look at this, starting in verse 17. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. So Jesus is teaching. He's there. There's all of these religious people that are there, these religious leaders. They're there from all these little towns and surrounding areas. And now they've come from Jerusalem. So the big wigs are there and the big names are there. And Jesus is sitting in the midst of them and the Bible says, and the power of the Lord was with him. So we talked about the Pharisees. We talked about the scribes. We talked about why that is so important that we understand who is there. Because listen, church, these guys started off with a really good idea. Their idea was, let's obey the Bible. That's what they started off with. And it went really, really bad. This is the same group. They started off with this, these, this desire, let's obey the Bible. And when Jesus came, Jesus looked at that group of people and he called them a brood of vipers, snakes. That's pretty harsh. 
That's offensive. Jesus was offensive. So if you get offended, take it up with Jesus. But these guys had a lot of, um, you know, started off good and it turned really bad because what they started to do was in their religiosity, they started adding man-made rules to the Bible. Their way of fulfilling what the Bible said. Their way, this is how you do that and this is how you do this and that became religious and that's what Jesus said was bad. And the reason that I bring that up is as I said last week, is there is a little Pharisee in all of us. We all have this tendency to walk in this place of religiosity, to try to add our own rules to things. And it doesn't matter where you are in that spectrum. We all want to add our own rules to these places of religion. And and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go on as to why we sometimes might do that. But the point is this. We can start off with all of the very best. We can start off understanding salvation and grace and all of that. And all of a sudden, in, in, our, in our theology, in our exegesis, in our doctrine, in our charisma, we can see that Pharisee rise up in us. And all of a sudden, we become like them. Started off good, but we started adding rules to things. And that made it bad. Amen. Amen. All right, I just want to know you're tracking with me here, okay? You may not like it, but that's just the truth. Verse 18, and behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. Verse 19, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. So these guys, there's these friends, and these are some pretty good friends because these friends overcame every obstacle that would stand in their way because they were dead set on getting their friend to Jesus. Whatever it took to get my friend to Jesus, that's what we're going to do. He needs Jesus. What are you willing to do to get your friend to Jesus? What are you, what, honestly, what are you willing not to do? Uh, you know what, they might offend me. Well, then you're not willing to overcome offense. They might deny me. Well, you're not willing to overcome being denied. They might make fun of me. Well, then you're not willing to overcome being made fun of. What if they don't want to be my friend? Listen, if you're not willing to tell them about Jesus, you're not being a very good friend anyway. So what are you willing to do to bring your friends to Jesus? And then we we move on here, and this is a point that I I want us to press into today. Jesus here says he is God. This is what's going to happen right here, is there's this showdown that's going to happen. Jesus has this showdown with these religious, and listen, it's the first of many showdowns that he has with the religious people. Jesus had, listen, Jesus had a showdown with the religious Pharisees and the scribes. Jesus had a showdown with the religious people that were following the scribes and the Pharisees. Jesus had a religious showdown with his disciples who started to walk in religiosity. Jesus had multiple showdowns, and we're going to find this in Luke over and over and over again, multiple showdowns with those who were bound up in this religious place. 
And so here are these friends, they bring this paralytic guy to Jesus. And he comes in and he drops him right in front of him. So again, look, you know, look at the scene. This paralytic guy, he's lowered through the, the roof and he's right there in front of Jesus. There's these religious people, the scribes and Pharisees, these who's who's. And they're all there, the big name guy, they're all there. And this guy is lowered down here because his friends know he needs to be healed. Right? And so, what does Jesus do? Verse 20. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. That's a huge statement. I mean, I think we read over that and we don't understand the full impact of what's going on here. Do you know that no other religious leader in all of the religions ever said that? Listen, Muhammad didn't say your sins are forgiven. Krishna didn't. Buddha didn't. They, they don't say, your sins are forgiven. You know what they say? Well, I want you to know, we have created this process by which you can go through so that you, through rituals and routines and sufferings and potential reincarnations, you can pay God back. And maybe, just maybe, someday, possibly, maybe, you can find forgiveness. Maybe he'll forgive you if you really work hard, if you really do enough good, if you really earn it. And you know, it's a big process. I mean, the process of reincarnation, man, that can take you hundreds, thousands of years to get forgiven. Man, oh man, that's a rough, that's a rough one. And so they talk about this process, this ongoing process of what you can do, what you might be able to do, how you might be able to finally, eventually find forgiveness if you're good enough. And then Jesus shows up and Jesus says, you're forgiven. Amen. Oh, you guys have processes of what you think might work. You guys have your religious theory, your religious things that you think might work in this place or that place to get that. But Jesus says, I just forgive. Come on, church, amen? amen. I, I, I we'll talk about that, but, but somewhere in here, again, this guy's coming for healing. He's laid down in front of Jesus, and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Somehow or another, this man's affliction and his sins are tied together. Now, again, I, I also know in Scripture where Jesus, you know, he, he himself says, that, hey, this man isn't blind because of anybody's sin. He's not, you know, sickness doesn't come as a result of it's just sin. Well, is there something wrong in your life? You must be in sin. That's not the way that the gospel teaches. But right here, Jesus ties this thing together where, and again, I... I don't believe anything happens in, in the scriptures at happenstance. God has a purpose and a plan for all that he's doing right here. And the first thing he does is he says, you're forgiven. So I see him as tying these things together. Well, I, you know, how does that work then? And I don't quite understand how that all ties together. If, if our sickness and illness and things aren't a result of sin, how's Jesus tying sin and sickness to this issue together then? And I felt God just give me this uh, reminder of how that might look as an example. This guy was a paralytic. And, and again, I can say this because we know he was a paralytic. And Jesus would not have said, your sins are forgiven if he wasn't a sinner. That's right. yeah. Amen? Amen? So, 
I had a friend, it wasn't a friend when he came to the church that I was at years ago. It was right after I'd gotten saved. And I'd gotten saved and we had started going to this church and it wasn't long after we started going that they plugged us into ministry and started going to, you know, we were part of the the, the leadership team and part of, you know, just, and, you know, it was like, I, I didn't know what I was doing. It was like way too early for me to put in a position like that. But praise God, you know, he's the one who chooses and does those things. So we can't second guess his plans and purposes. He works through everything. But I was in this place where I was, you know, kind of in that, where I felt like, uh, you know, oh, you know, we're involved in stuff. And, and this guy started coming to the church. And I felt like, you know what, I felt bad for the guy because he came in and, and he didn't really have, like his hands didn't work right. And he came in and, and he had crutches, and you know, the kind of crutches that have the armbands on them that, you know, he couldn't walk without them. And, he, and his legs didn't work right. His knees would buckle. His, you know, he kind of walked on an ankle. And, and it was kind of, you know, he, he even fell a number of times and felt bad for him. And so I you know, got to know him. He was a super nice guy. But I'd visit with him, sit down with him, you know, kind of, you know, sometimes help him to his car or whatever, because I felt like, you know, this is what I get to do. And uh, got to know him a little bit. Well, eventually he gave his heart to Jesus. Amen. And he got saved. And, and I mean, God just radically began to move in his life and move in his heart. This guy just got on fire for Jesus. He was just fired up. He was going to all the Bible studies. He was, a, I mean, if, if the Bible was being opened, he was there. Let that be a testimony to some of you. So he's, he's, he's getting fired up. He gets baptized. I mean, God just does this amazing thing in this guy's life. And so getting to know him better and better because he's just there more and more and more. Well, finally, and again, this is a hard question. You know, it's difficult sometimes to ask somebody, well, you know, what happened to you? Well, after, you know, point in time, I just finally asked him, you know, what, what happened? And he said, well, when I was younger, I was, I, was, I was young, I was stupid, I was in sin, and I was out drinking. And I got drunk at the bar, and I got on my motorcycle after service. And I was doing 100 miles an hour, and I missed a turn. And I flew into a telephone pole. And after months in the hospital and multiple surgeries, Nothing's worked right since then. Church, you know what? This guy, his body was destroyed. And it was because of sin in his life. He was in sin, and that's what happened. He wasn't a victim. There wasn't anybody that he could sue. There wasn't anybody that he could blame. He's the one who got on that motorcycle. He's the one that did 100 miles an hour while he was drunk. He's the one who missed the turn. He's the one who flew into the pole. And he couldn't change. He couldn't, couldn't blame somebody for that. He wasn't born like that. Like many people are born with afflictions or born with some difficulties or born with issues that they, have, that they might struggle with. This guy wasn't like that. He, what happened to him, he did to himself. Again, I hate the fact that that was the way in which he was, but that's just the truth. And I want you to know that some of you are like that. You've just wrecked your whole life. You just ran right into a pole by the choices and decisions 
And you would have to say, you know what? Yeah, that's me. I'm just broken and I'm busted up inside. Oh, you might be able to walk fine and you might be able to talk fine and you might be able to use all of your hands today, but you know inside that you're just broken up, that you are defeated in here and that you have been wounded to a point that you can't find healing. And ever since some of those things happened in your life, you've never been the same. You've never been able to overcome it. And it's just continually wreaked havoc in your life. And you know it's your fault. You did what you did. That's this guy. And in verse 21, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying this. This is what they said. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? Isn't it funny? They're all sitting there, and Jesus is there, and Jesus is forgiving him of sin, and none of them, none of them said, Wow. This is amazing. He's forgiving. So then, then we're going to see a healing here. We're going to see something amazing here. Well, these are signs and wonders. This is stuff only God can do. None of them said that. They're like, well, what's the theological presupposition of the statement in which he makes? <laughs> Look, the religious got all theological. Jesus got all relational. They cared about about the religious doctrine. Jesus cared about the guy. And listen, when we sin, oh, we, we can sin against people. And when you sin against somebody, you need to go to that person and you need to ask for their forgiveness because when you sin against somebody, the only one that can forgive you of that is them. Do you know that every sin, every single sin that we commit, either by birth or by choice, is a sin against God? It's all against Him. And therefore, we must seek forgiveness from God. Oh, whether you may think, you know, I don't need that. Yes, we all do. We must have forgiveness ultimately from God. That's what's called repentance. When we turn to God and say, Lord, I have sinned and I've sinned against you and I need to be forgiven. Lord, can you forgive me? Well, Jesus says to this guy, he says, I'm going to forgive this guy of sin. And the religious people start crying, blasphemy. You know why they said blasphemy? Because they knew what Jesus was saying. They knew that in that statement, Jesus was saying this, I am God. That's what he's saying in this. And they're like, blasphemy, he's saying he's he's God. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's the elephant in the room I've been trying to get you guys to pay attention to. (laughs) I'm God. I want you to see that. And, And, you know, I know that some of you, in some of the religious background and some of the upbringing that we've had, there are some of you who have been told that Jesus never said he was God. Jesus said he was the son of God or the son of man, but he never said he was God. That's not true. He repeatedly said he was God. Over and over and over again, in many, many, many different ways, Jesus said that he was God. And this is one of them. Because only God 
can forgive sin. In, in Psalm 51, in verse 4, it says, Against you only, Lord, have I sinned. Church, when we sin in our sin nature or in the sins that we commit by choice, we sin against God. So if we sin against God, who's the only one that can forgive us? Only God. Only God can forgive us. And Jesus says, I will forgive you. That's what he said, I'll forgive you. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm God. And it's exactly what he is saying here. And if that's not enough, in verse 22, when Jesus perceived their thoughts, it's like they're, you know, thinking over there, like, I, I, this guy thinks he's God. I don't know what to do. You, you're not God. And Jesus is like, I know what you're thinking. How do you know? You think, I'm, you think I'm saying I'm God, and you don't think I'm God, and I'm telling you I'm God. You know, if somebody was able to read your thoughts, wouldn't you start to second guess? Maybe we should give a little more attention here Amen. To, to what he's saying here. I mean, that would be a big point in Jesus' column here. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? So what's he saying there? He's saying, you know what? If I tell this guy simply that his sins are forgiven, nobody's going to know and nobody's going to believe because that's an invisible spiritual transaction. But if I forgive this man of his sins and I heal his paralyzation that's come upon him as a result of sin in his life, that is evidence that I am God. Church, that's an important statement. See, some of you think you can't be forgiven. And here Jesus is saying, look at if I forgive this man and heal his paralyzation, the paralyzation that came as a result of the sin in his life that he did that by his choice, I will show you that I am God. Amen. And you know what? He does it. He does it. He forgives him of his sin and he heals him of his disease. Jesus forgives sin. Now again, I believe Jesus was setting precedence to something that I want to share with you. But the man came to Jesus. He didn't ask to be forgiven. He didn't, it wasn't a place of repentance. He probably wasn't even sure that he needed it. But again, Jesus was setting some precedence here as to what is most important in our lives. And Jesus forgives sin. Church, Jesus forgives us. He forgives us of our sin. You're not going to find another religion. You can go jump from church to church and religion to religion. You're not going to find another religion or another church that can forgive you of your sins. None. Every other religion, all they're going to do is try to get you to follow a bunch of stupid, man-made, ridiculous rules with the hope that maybe God will love you. Maybe. 
Jesus loves you. Church, listen to me, please. Jesus loves you unconditionally. He loves you just as you are. He loves you with every bump in the road that you have experienced. He loves you with every place that you've fallen. He loves you just as you are. And this is what he says. I want you to come unto me as you are. He loves you that much. And Jesus Christ accepts you as you are. And by his grace, he offers each and every one of us total and complete forgiveness and that's why we love Jesus amen that's why we are and should be crazy about Jesus we should be in love with Jesus why because Jesus is remember the old uh, thing you learned in grade school Jesus is greater than religion come on amen this is what's so cool about Jesus and church there are some of you that come into this place today Oh, maybe you've been coming for years. Maybe this is your first time. But you would come in and, and, and you know, I, I, I can put on my religious outside and I can dress myself up. Hey, it's like this building. We can dress this building up, but it's still a 115-year-old building. You can dress things up, but you know what's going on inside your own heart. And some of you walk into this place today and you would say, you know what? I am unclean. I'm unclean, like that leper. And again, I remind you that Scripture, you know, you may think, well, I don't have leprosy. But scripture compares sin to leprosy. It's a disease that affects us from the very inside. It destroys us from the inside out. It wreaks havoc on our life. It sets us apart from everything that we long for and want. It destroys relationships in our life. And it's uncurable. And some of you would come in and say, unclean. Oh, if you only knew what was in me, if you only knew what I had done, you wouldn't be talking the way you're talking, pastor. And there are others of you that come into this place and, and you would say, I feel so guilty. How can I be forgiven? I know what I've done. I know that what I'm walking in is a result of the choices in my life. It doesn't matter how much I try to deny it or cover it up. It doesn't matter what I try to do. I'm, I'm walking in the results of my sin and I'm getting what I deserve. I am guilty like the paralytic. Well, what do I do? What do I do? In church, the answer is that Jesus touches us. Jesus cleanses us. Jesus forgives us. Jesus does the work of salvation. Amen. And church, what do we do? We receive by faith what Jesus has done for us. Amen. We receive by faith. Now, get, don't let the rules rise up. Don't let the religiousness stop rise up. Don't let that... You know what? We receive by faith what Jesus Christ has done for us. Period. Don't add to it. That's what the Pharisees were doing. Period. This is it. 
This is our Jesus. This is what Jesus did then. This is what Jesus still does today. Because praise God, he told us he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same Jesus who touched and ministered to the leper and touched and ministered to the paralytic is the same Jesus who touches and ministers in our lives today. And in the same way does he do that. He's setting precedence in his word for you and me. Amen? Amen. And then the story goes on. And, and it goes on and he says, but, you, uh, but that you may know that the Son of Man, there's that Son of Man statement. This, do you know that that is Jesus' favorite title of authority for himself? That's the favorite title that he has for us. You know where that statement comes from? You'll find it in Daniel chapter 7 in verses 13 and 14. And in that story that Daniel's talking about, you'll find there that God the Father is together with the Son of God or the Son of Man. And they are together in eternity past. And they are together in this time. And then Jesus, the Son of Man or Son of God, is coming into human history to conquer and overcome sin, to liberate people and to establish an unending forever kingdom. When Jesus calls himself son of man, he is making a majestic claim to deity over himself. That's exactly what he's doing. He was prophesied here and described and declared in Daniel chapter 7. And it was fulfilled when Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, came into this world. And Jesus called himself son of man. It was, it was a claim to deity, church. Jesus was saying, I'm God. That became a man. He was not saying, I am a man who became a God. Amen. This was God that was there and Daniel was describing him there in eternity past. And he had come into intersecting human history to bring deliverance and to create the forgiveness of sin, the cleansing of our sins in our lives, to create a new covenant that we could enter into so that we might know life eternal in which he was purchasing for you and me through his sacrificial body he laid it down for you and i i'm god that became a man and you know 25 times in luke he calls himself son of man 83 times throughout the gospels he calls himself son of man he, it's his favorite title verse 24 and that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins and he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, now Jesus is walking in his own authority here. Jesus has the ability and the, and the authority to forgive sin. And he says in the authority, he has authority on earth to forgive sin. And so in his own authority, I say to you, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what, had been lying, what he'd been lying on and he went home glorifying God. You know what? That's a good day. Come on, amen. amen. That is an amazing day. This guy, this guy comes into this meeting with Jesus on a stretcher, and after meeting with Jesus, he walks out carrying his stretcher. Amen. Thank you, Lord. That's an amazing day right there. Come on, amen. amen. And everybody that was there, verse 26 says, amazement seized them all. They'd never seen anything like this. This was something that they had never experienced before. They, first off, they had never experienced the forgiveness of sin. 
and a healing like this? And the Bible says that they, they glorified God and were filled with awe. They, had, they began to have a praise and worship time here. They began to cry out to shouting praises. We have never seen the kinds of things we've seen here today. Today we have seen extraordinary things. But the praises didn't last long, did they? You know what? Just having a moment with God is not enough to carry us through. We need to have this revelation in our heart as to what he's truly done for you and for me. To really, truly take hold of and believe that Jesus Christ is who he said, that Jesus Christ does what he told us that he did and would do. And that he's able today to continue to do that in our lives. Some of you come here today and you may not with your voice, but in your mind you know you come in and you call out, unclean, unclean, because you know what you've done. And you know the feeling, I'm filthy, I'm dirty, like the leper. Well, I don't have leprosy, but the Bible again tells us that your sin is like that of leprosy. And you know what's going on in you. You know that place of unclean. I've tried, I've been to the religious things here and the religious things there and I've tried the religious place over here. I've tried to follow the rules and tried to go through the regulations. I've tried to do this stuff. I even went to the new believer class. <laughs> and I still feel dirty and unclean. I want you to know that Jesus Christ is reaching out to you right now, right here. That he is reaching out to touch your life. He's reaching out to minister to your spirit. He's reaching out to you right now to cleanse you of that filth that you know is in there. He is here to cry out to you that he would touch your life and he is declaring over you, I want you to know that in me you are clean. In me you have been cleansed. In you, you are not dirty. You are not filthy. I took your sin. I carried your sin. I bore it on the cross and I suffered and I died in your place for your sin. Why? So that I could give you my righteousness. It's an exchange that Jesus makes with us. We give him our sinfulness. We receive his righteousness. It's not because we've earned it. It's not because we've owed it. It's because he has given it. He's given it to you and me. And we receive his righteousness. And therefore, over you today, he says, you are clean. And I am giving you a new identity. You are not who you think you are. You are who I declared you to be. You are who I say you are, not who you say that you are. And I have declared that you are clean and you are a rock you are in that identity who I have spoken over you so stop declaring and saying I'm unclean stop saying I'm filthy stop saying I'm not forgiven stop saying I've been defiled stop saying those things because I have made you clean 
And every time you take a shower, let it be a reminder to you of what I have spoken over your life and given to you, that I've taken away the filth and I've given you the cleansing that you need. Every time you put on a white shirt, let it be a reminder to you today that you are in Christ. You have been made clean. And that means that no longer, no longer, you have to take every thought captive and make it obedient unto Christ. No longer do you walk around, even from the very inside, saying, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. No, you have been made clean in Christ, and Jesus has declared that over you. It's who you are today. And the next time you sin in church, you will. And the next time you fall, and the next time you do something that you have, uh, you know, that, that's dirty or that's defiling, the next time you do, you know what? You don't run, don't wallow in it. Turn back to Him because He's right there. He's not left you. He's not forsaken you. Turn back and He will put His hands on you and He will hold you. He will pull you tight and He will remind you of that time when He's cleansed you and tell you, I have not changed my mind about you who he is I know there's others of you that come into this place today and you're not just filthy there's some of you that come in here today and you're guilty you're in the situation you're in because of the choices that you've made you're walking in life in a place that you have made for yourself my choices are there how can I be forgiven when it's my fault you're like this paralytic you know, the paralytic wasn't seeking out forgiveness. Probably, again, this is just my own, but probably because he didn't think that he could ever have forgiveness for what he's done. There are some of you that come in here today thinking, you know what? Oh, I, he can forgive most of my sins, but there's some things that I've done. There's some worship that I've given. There's some pain I've inflicted. There's some words that I've said. There's some activities that I have partaken in. And like that paralytic, I'm in my situation because of what I've done to my life. I am a sinner. And I've destroyed my life. And what I'm getting is what I deserve. There are some of you who have wrapped your life around that telephone pole. And you've blown it. And you're the one that did that. And so you have no one to sue no one to blame. No one. It's all on you. And you know what? Jesus forgives. Jesus forgives. Jesus' forgiveness is not based on what you've done. His forgiveness is based on what he's done. He's provided forgiveness. He's not like the religious people that come up with, well, you can be forgiven if you have this list. I, I grew up Catholic, and so we would go to um, confession. And there was some times when, you know, going to confession, and, and me and my brother, we would come out of confession, and we would compare how many Our Fathers and how many Hail Marys we each got. I always thought I was doing good if I got less Hail Marys than my brother did. You're bad. <laughs> and, and there's a place where sometimes in all of this, you know, Jesus isn't like that. Jesus isn't like the religious people who give you a list of things you can do. Go do this, and then maybe, possibly, you'll be forgiven. And if you don't do that right, then come back and start over again and keep on trying until you get it right. 
No, Jesus comes into our life. He comes in to live. He comes into this world to die and he comes to rise again so that he can provide forgiveness for all who will call upon him. That's what he did in that day. That's what he did for the paralytic. And church, that's what he still does today. And we should not get over this. This should be something that causes us 2,000 years later to be rejoicing in. This is something that should still fill us with awe for what God has done. This is something that should cause praise to be on our lips. That when that music starts, I can't stop. But my foot starts moving, my lips start singing, my tongue starts giving. I'm going to make a joyful noise unto the Lord today because of what God has done for me. He did it. Oh, I don't care how you feel about it. That doesn't change what he did for you. We sometimes got to get over ourselves and start receiving by faith what God has declared he has given to us. But what do we do? Oh, are you serious? Wait a minute. This is, what, this is God? Nah, I don't know. That's how he works? There's got to be a catch. Come on, amen. Our mind starts going, there has to be a catch. That's the religiosity of our minds trying to find the catch that's got to be there. You got to be kidding me. What's going on in here? Because our religious heart always wants to find something that's wrong. Something to criticize. Speaking to some of you, you come in with an attitude and disposition of a critic. Rather than like the leper, what'd the leper do? You know what? I don't know about any of that stuff. I'm just going to throw my feet, myself at Jesus' feet. I'm going to cry out for mercy. I'm going to cry out for grace. I know I don't deserve it, but I'm just going to go there. And you know what? I'm going to let him touch me, and I'm going to let him heal me, and I'm going to let him forgive me, and I'm going to let him cleanse me, and I'm going to go home happy. I'm not going home the same way I came. I'm not going home in the same attitude that I went in with. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I want for all of you. And that's exactly what happened to this guy. But the religious people, they just don't get it. They're over there in the corner going, you know, you know what, I, I mean, what do you think about his exegesis of the Hebrew? I mean, come on, you know, I, I wouldn't have gone that direction. And he says he's God. He's sure not dressed very well. <laughs> And I heard he has a tattoo that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords down his thigh. I don't know what our stance on tattoos is. And another guy, well, I, I have a friend that saw him eating with the sinners. And he said... I think he was eating a ham sandwich. <laughs> Washing it down with a glass of wine. I, I don't, you know what? They were all asking all the wrong questions. This was the wrong conversation, church. You know, all these guys are over there just, you know, they got their laptops open and they got their Twitter accounts up and, and they're Twittering trying to get people to come along with them because if I can get more people to come along with my opinion, that means I must be right. So they want everybody to come and to understand, know their position and where they stand and they're giving their opinions. All these religious guys are doing all this. Do you know what the paralytics over there are doing? 
He's carrying his mat. He's like, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm healed. Anybody else want to go celebrate? I can't figure it all out, and I'm not going to try. I'm just going to praise God for it. He says he's God. I believe him. Come on, right? Now, I, I love that part of the story, and man, oh man, I, I would love to just really press into that, but Jesus does everything for a reason. And all of this, you know, I am so glad that the leper got healed. And I am so glad that the paralytic received healing. I am so glad, and I rejoice in that. And I believe in healing, and I trust God for healing. And I trust him for what he's doing. I rejoice in those places. But let me tell you, the biggest miracle, the most important miracle, the most exciting part is what he did first. It was the sin that was forgiven. His sins were forgiven. That's the, that's the most important part of this whole story, church. We'll get into healing and talking about that. Let me tell you, Jesus healed a lot of people in the Gospel of Luke. So we're going to have a lot of conversation about healing and about those places of healing that Jesus walked through. But right now, putting first things first, Jesus always ministers to us in what is to be the first. And the first thing he does is the first thing that he knows is most important to us. And Jesus, what does Jesus minister to here first? Again, we believe in Jesus' healing. But let me tell you, and I know this you may get some of you all bunched up here. If you have to choose between forgiveness, and I'm not saying that you do, but if you have to choose between forgiveness and healing, choose forgiveness. Because healing is temporary. Because if the Lord should tarry, none of us are getting out alive. Our bodies are constantly in a place of decay. Oh, how I know. But healing is eternal. It's an eternal transaction. If you have to choose one or the other, choose forgiveness first. And isn't it amazing? I mean, if nothing else, at the resurrection of the dead, I mean, whatever your thoughts and theology is and all of that, at the resurrection of the dead, no matter what your thought, healing is going to be a bonus that God supplies for all of us as believers. But the greatest miracle here is that sinners can be forgiven. No matter whether it's sin that's come as a fact of being born into this world with the nature of sin or it's sin that has come and wreaked havoc in your life and has destroyed where you have been, all of the things in your life have fallen apart and God forgives. I find it amazing. Jesus always gives us what is the most important thing first. You know to the leper? He reached out and touched the leper. Jesus gave the leper value. He gave the leper a new identity. He said, you, no longer are you that man that calls out unclean. He gave him a brand new identity. First, then he healed him. To the paralytic, this man, he, he comes to him. You know what? He gives him forgiveness first. First thing he says, your sins are forgiven gives him the most important thing for and then he heals him. Church, we need to realize that what is most important needs to be our priority as well. 
And our Jesus cleanses, our Jesus forgives, our Jesus saves. You know, the Bible here, he's telling us this. If you're filthy, Jesus cleanses. If you came in here today and you're guilty, Jesus forgives. If you came in here today and you're religious, knock it off. You know what? I, and I told you guys last week, I had a lot of repenting to do through all this. I inadvertently was taking different revelations or different places that were conviction in my life and I was trying to apply them to all of you thinking that you, because I had this conviction, that you needed to have this conviction. And it turns into religiosity. Rules that God didn't apply in his word, but they're man-made. And I, I have and will continue to repent because I'm telling you, it's not the first time and it won't be the last time that I'll have to repent for that. Because again, our default is to go to that religiosity. So again, I don't want to walk in that. But in this place where you come in here and you're filthy you're, or, or, or you're guilty or you're religious, you know what? That's everybody. Everybody, there's not one of you in here that that doesn't fit you into a category. If you're breathing, you're on one of those teams. Worship team, come on back up, please. So we need to respond to him. And we need to respond as he did, as the leper did, as the paralytic did, as they responded. Filled with awe. Church, there should be some joy to say, we are cleansed, we are forgiven, we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and not get all religious. Well, this needs to, no, just repent. Repent of your filth, repent of your sin, repent of your religion. Repent of those things, and be filled with awe, because our God has supplied and met those needs that we may not even have realized or known, but God gave us first what is most important, and I receive that in Jesus' name. We rejoice, church. We should begin to glorify God for what he's done. We should be happy. Listen, Jesus cleanses us. Jesus forgives us. And Jesus saves us. Those are his works. And you and I, by faith, we receive the work that Jesus Christ has provided for us. Is that you today, though? Because you've got to respond to God. I mean, the leper came to Jesus. The paralytic was brought to Jesus. And do you need to come to Jesus today? Wouldn't you like to leave this place today without the guilt and the condemnation that you came in with? Wouldn't you like to leave today without the burden of being eaten alive from the inside out? Wouldn't you like to leave today totally cleansed, fully forgiven, and walking in the grace of an almighty God who's provided his love for you. To me, it seems foolish to do that, to walk away when God has provided so much. What will you do with the message of His grace.
you bow your heads with me? I'm going to pray. And, and we have to respond. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. And God, I pray today for those that are bound up in sin like that leper, that God, you would reach out and you would touch their life, that you would restore the value that you place on them. God, you saw that before we were, before we were even known in our mother's womb, Lord, you knew us. You knew the needs that we would have and you came to meet that need. And even while we were still sinners, you died for us. And he did that because he knew that this day was going to come when he would lay on my heart to bring this message to you and you would be brought into this church on this day, at this moment, so that God could speak to you into those areas of your heart that you desperately needed him. And he knows that. He knew you were coming today. Well, I didn't, but he did. For those who come in guilty, life's, life has just torn me apart, and it's my own fault. God still forgives, and His desire is to cleanse you today. Will you let Him? For those who came in with a, and are still struggling right now with that religious attitude, but, 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 no. Just gonna fall at your feet, Jesus. Do what only you can, Jesus. I don't receive from you today. Come on, is that you? Look, you need to be honest, not necessarily with me, but you need to be honest with him. But while every head is bowed and all your eyes are closed for just a moment, let me just ask you this fit into one of those categories today and you need the Lord to touch you and minister to you to forgive you, to cleanse you and you would just lift up your hand and say Pastor will you pray for me, I want to respond to God right now thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord oh God you are so good your grace is sufficient Lord your grace is sufficient Lord Come on, don't let doubt creep in. His grace is sufficient for you right now. His grace is being poured out. Let him, let just feel it from the tip of your fingers down over your shoulders and to the very soles of your feet. His grace is sufficient. Lord, you see every hand and every heart that that represents. I pray that today you would fill us, oh God, that you would fill us, oh God, with confidence, with assurance that you truly are on the throne of my life. I receive you today, Lord, and I receive what you have done. Just tell him right now, in your own way, with your own words, this is not about going through a formula to be saved. This is about, Lord God, I need you to come into my life. I just need you today. Lord, I can't help those thoughts that he's talked about. That's me, Lord. And without you, I have no hope. So Jesus, come be my living hope. Come be my living hope. God, come live in me. I need you, Jesus. I turn to you, Jesus. He's no respecter of person. Every hand that went up, every heart that was bowed before him, he reaches out to today. All who will call upon the name of the Lord, he says. Oh God, we receive you. Let that hope be made alive. Alive in us.
He did that for you, church. today, somebody to walk alongside of you or to encourage you, I would love to do that. Our prayer team would love to pray with you. And we're going to sing through this one more time and give hallelujah. We need to be able to be in awe of what God has done, amen? There are multiple, multiple people that have raised their hand and done exactly what God has called them to do. We should be in awe of that because God has cleansed their hearts, delivered them from sin. And that should cause us to rejoice, not to feel the need to run out of here. And if you need some prayer, I want you to come and just join us here at the altar as we sing through this one more time. He is our living hope.
presence Break strongholds King of heaven 